0: If you would, turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 12. Pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, help us to read it right now with hearts full of faith. God, help us to be those that tremble at your word and humble ourselves before you give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, please God bless and feed our souls, even just simply by the reading of your word. God, your word is food for us, a light to us, and it's like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. God, we believe all these things. Let it, let it, let that truth be made plain for all here this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been coming through Deuteronomy and we land on Deuteronomy chapter 12. This is not a chapter in the Bible that that typically if somebody's just picking a place and I just want to preach a certain passage, which passage do I want to preach or which passage do I want to study? Deuteronomy 12 is not a place that people would typically go. But it's such a sweet thing to dig into maybe less familiar parts of Scripture and find sweet, sweet treasure there. And so we're going to read the Word now. I want to encourage you to lean in. Like the book of Proverbs says, incline your ear. Whatever you got to do. Most people are helped by opening up their Bible and following along. But if you need to do like you do in prayer, something you know, most of you pray with your eyes closed because you're trying to concentrate and focus. If you need to do that, whatever. But lean in right now and hear God's words. Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting in verse 1. These are the statutes and the rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods. On the high mountains... And on the hills and under every green tree, you shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, and all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing what's what is whatever is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the to the the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when He gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you live in safety, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make His name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices your tithes and the contribution that you present and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord, your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants and the Levite that is within your town, in your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire according to the blessing of the Lord your God that He has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You may not eat within your towns the tithe of your grain or of, the, or of your wine or of your oil or the firstborn of your herd or of your flock or any of your vow offerings that you vow or your freewill offerings or the contribution that you present. But you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that the Lord your God will choose. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant and the Levite who is within your towns and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. Take care that you do not neglect the Levite as long as you live in your land. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory as He has promised you, And you say, I will eat meat because you crave meat. You may eat meat whenever you desire. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you may kill any of your herd or your flock which the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you. And you may eat within your towns whenever you desire, just as the gazelle or the deer is eaten, so you may eat of it. The unclean and the clean alike may eat of it. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life of the flesh. You shall not eat it, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that all may go well with you and with your children after you, when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. But the holy things that are due from you and your vow offerings you shall take and you shall go to the place that the Lord will choose. And offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but the flesh you may eat. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods that I may do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable, abominable thing That the Lord hates they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. This is God's word. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the matching bookends, per se, um, on both ends of this chapter. If you see these, uh, the, the way it starts and the way it ends and the way there's, there's a repetition there, some similarity there on both ends, it'll help you catch the drift of what this, of what this chapter is really all about. Now the book ends would be verses one through four. It's the beginning. And at the very end, verses 29 through 31. Okay? So what you see, In those two passages, those two bookends, verses 1 through 4, verse 29 through 31, what you see is an answer to this question. When they get into the land, when Israel gets into the land, what are they supposed to do with Canaanite worship? The way that the Canaanites, the way that the pagans worship their gods, what are they supposed to do with that stuff? And the bookends of chapter 12 give you an answer to that. In the first section, verses 1 through 4, it tells you what they are to do with the pagan worship. And then the last part tells you what they're not to do. And then there's exact phrases that are repeated there. So, so, so according to verses 1 through 4, what is Israel to do with the Canaanite worship? Listen to these words. Destroy. Tear down. Dash in pieces. Burn. Chop down. Destroy. That's in your first three verses there. Tear down the, these uh, pillars to these false gods. These, these, uh, this worship that went down these high hills or, or on these mountains. Tear that stuff down. Completely destroy that stuff. Dash that stuff into pieces. Rid their name from the land. That's what it tells us in the first few verses here. Now in verse 29 through 30, I want to actually read that one again. Tells you what not to do. Look at it. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and, and, and dwell in their land. Take care. Here's what you shouldn't do. Take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they've been destroyed before you. And that you do not inquire about their God saying, how did these nations serve their gods? That I may also do the same. So so what do we have on the bookends here? When you come into the land, obliterate, destroy all the objects of their worship. What do you have on the other side at the end? When you get into the land and all of it's destroyed, it's it's, listen, don't inquire of them. Don't inquire. Well, how'd they serve their gods? Maybe we can serve our God the way they serve their gods. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then there's a phrase that's repeated at the beginning. It's the exact same phrase. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. And then look down on the other side at verse 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. So on both ends, here's the book ends. Look at the pagan world. Look at the Canaanites around you. Look how they're worshiping their gods. Look, look. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Destroy the ways that they worship their gods. Destroy that stuff and don't inquire saying, maybe we could serve our God the way they serve their... No, no. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. So what does Moses care about here? As Moses is preaching to the people of Israel before they enter into the promised land, what does he care about? He cares about the way in which God, Yahweh, is worshiped. He cares about how God is worshiped. God cares about this. It matters to God, not just that he is worshiped, but it matters to God in what way. How is God going to be worshiped? That matters to him, it matters to Moses, and it should matter to us. Now this text is specifically concerned with the corporate worship of God's people, this coming to the place where he dwells, coming into his temple and bringing these sacrifices. So God cares about the way He is corporately worshipped by His people. So God is not of the the opinion. God is not of the opinion that His people can just worship Him however they feel is best. However they feel like it. Or whatever the culture around them is doing. Just do that. Just do it towards the one true God. That's, that's, That's not the way God feels or thinks about these things. I want you to remember... The first and the second commandment out of the Ten Commandments, they dealt with this issue, right? Remember, the first commandment was concerned with who is worshipped. You shall, you shall put no other gods before me. So the first commandment is concerned with who is worshipped. Remember, the second command was concerned about how that one true God is worshipped. Not with images like the pagans worship their gods. Don't worship Him in that way. So, remember that this has already been dealt with in the first and second commandment. Now, this should have been a laser beam uh, focus understanding of the people of Israel after what happened in Leviticus 10. Do you remember that? Leviticus chapter 10 with Nadab and Abihu. Do you remember what happened there? God killed two priests. Now, why did God do it? Not because they worshiped a false God. And offered sacrifices to a false God, but because they worshiped in a way that he did not command. If you have the ESV, it says they offer, offered up unauthorized fire or strange fire before the Lord. Things that he, it says in that phrase in Leviticus 10, that he did not command this, and yet they did it, and God struck them down. So from the Ten Commandments, from what happened with these men in Leviticus 10, and from what we're reading now, this is a big deal. God cares about the way in which He is worshipped. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. It matters how He is worshipped. Now that same concern about how God is worshipped is going to be reinstated over and over again throughout Israelite history. I'll just give you a couple of examples. What about Saul's folly in 1st Samuel chapter 15? If you remember reading that, Saul's folly in 1st Samuel 15. Saul is offering up sacrifice as worship to the one true God, to the right God. But he's not offering up in the way he's not offering this worship up in the way the way that God had commanded. And he goes on to tell Saul, obedience is better than your sacrifice. He calls what he did rebellion. He calls what he did presumption. It matters to God the way in which he is worshipped. Not just that he is, but the way that he is, according to 1 Samuel 15. Another one, what about David's folly? Remember 1 Chronicles 13, 14, and 15. Remember those chapters where David is taking the Ark of the Covenant and he's bringing it in? And he's worshiping and dancing before the Lord. He's leading out this procession. this taking the Ark of the Covenant in. And then what happened? A man was struck dead. In the middle of this worship to the one true God, a man was struck dead. And why was he struck down? Well, 1 Chronicles 15, it says, Because we did not seek him according to the rule. We did not seek him according to the rule. It matters how God is worshiped, not just that he is worshiped. And we definitely see that here. So in Deuteronomy 12, it's not just worship as you please as long as it's worship towards Yahweh. That's not the way God or Moses thinks about this. God truly regulates how he is to be worshiped, especially in the corporate worship of his people. Now, why would God do that? Well, the easy answer is because God is wise. Uh, and we are not, so we just trust Him. We trust His ways of how He should be worshipped. Another answer to that question is because we are depraved, and for us to try to do anything by our own wisdom and in our ways, even something good like worshipping God, and we try to do it in our ways, that's at least a disaster. So because of our own depravity, we need God to teach us not only to worship, but how to worship Him. In fact, If you you look here in chapter 12, verse 31, look at it again. How depraved are we? Look at verse 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. And that same wickedness, that same seed of wickedness is in the heart of all humans. And for us to depend on our own wisdom and how to come and corporately worship God leads to disaster. Disaster. That same seed is in us when we depend on our own wisdom. Now, if we truly believe that God is wise and we are depraved, then we'll want to throw up our hands and say, God, we don't want to come with our own inventions. We don't want to come with our own ideas. God, teach us how to worship you. As the people of God, how do we teach us God? By your word. That's what we will do. Now, but if we don't, if we think, well, we're actually not that bad, we actually have pretty good and valuable ideas, then we'll be willing to bring our own inventions in and say, this is how it should be done. Surely God would accept that. And that's a dangerous thing. Now, there's other verses in chapter 12 that that sort of bolster this main theme of of you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. How should he be worshipped? Look at these other verses. Look at verse 8. You shall not do according to all that you are doing here today, everyone doing whatever's right in his own eyes. That's what he's coming against. He doesn't want his people just to do what seems right in their own eyes. You know, Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. Don't just do what seems right to you. You need commandments. You need instruction. You need wisdom. You need promises from God. And in humility, we ought to feel that. Look at verse 32, the way it all ends. Again, it bolsters this main theme. Verse 32. Everything that I command you... You shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. What do we do? Specifically even in corporate worship, you know, people of Israel, how do we worship you, God? What do we do? Do as I command you. Don't take from it. Don't take away from what I've commanded. Don't add to it. Don't add your own ideas. Don't add your own wisdom. Don't do that. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just do as the Lord your God has said. Now, Israel's being called to live this way. In fact, they're they're being called to live as was illustrated to them in Numbers chapter 9. I want to read two verses to you in Numbers chapter 9. Do you remember the way they would move through the wilderness The cloud would come down or the fire by night. And when when it was there, they stayed. And when it picked up and went somewhere else, they followed. And when it sat down again, they stayed. And when it picked up and went somewhere else, they followed. And this is the way that they followed God. And listen to the way it says it in Numbers 9. Numbers 9, verse 18. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. And at the command of the Lord, they camped. Verse 23. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Not, hey God, I got a good idea. Hey, now seems like a good time to move. No, 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 no. Just, God, whatever you say. You say stay, we stay right here. And we're not moving to you. Okay, you say move. We move right here. At the command of God is how they move. Why? God is wise. All wise one, right? And if it's given over to our own wisdom, our own thoughts, our own ideas, we're a depraved people. That's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. So they were being called to live like that, like that was illustrated to them in Numbers 9. Now, what about us? What about us? Are we called to live As those that move only at the command of the Lord. and our corporate worship, is it to be by the commands of our God? And I think you know the answer to that, but we'll come back to that in just a moment. But to keep going in our text, Deuteronomy chapter 12, I want to talk to you about the details here. So I've given you the bookends, and I hope you see the main point of this passage, the way in which God is worship matters. And he's driving that into Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Now there's details given in between these bookends. Now, um, in these details, it's details about how, specifics about how Israel should worship. Now, I want to kind of warn you from the front end, you probably probably felt this when I was reading it a moment ago, there's a lot of repetition in here. In these details, he just repeats things over and over and over again. So just for clarity's sake, I want to break this up into four sections, okay? Four sections. Section 1 and these details is verses 5 through 7. In verse 5 through 7, God gives them regulations about where, where they should worship God. So let's read it. Where they should worship God. Verse 5, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. Time out. Think about it. Not where the pagans did it, on the mountains there and the high high hills there and this place over here under this tree. No, don't do it the way they did it. You shall not look at all these places, but rather when you get into the land, God is going to choose a place. And this is the place you should go. Verse 6. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there, there at that place, you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. In other words, Israel, don't be influenced by the pagan culture that's around you. Don't worship in the places that they worship. Worship in the place that God will choose for you when you get there. Now, I want you to think about this. They, they really dropped the ball on this. I bet there's a phrase that you remember as you read through the Old Testament that comes up over and over and over again. I want to read to you six verses. Don't flip there. These verses are found in between 1 Kings 15 and 2 Kings 15. Just in that section. Listen to these six verses. Are you ready? But the high places were not taken down. High places where he just told them when you go in there destroy those. Listen. The high places were not taken down. Second verse. But the high places were not taken away. Third verse. But the high places were not taken away. Fourth. But the high places were not removed. Fifth. But the high places were not taken away. Sixth. But the high places were not removed. This was a big problem for Israel. A big problem for them. They allowed their worship to be shaped by the world that they lived in. By the culture that they were around. Exactly what God told them not to do. They ignored God's regulations about where to worship. Instead, they did what felt right. They did what seemed comfortable. Maybe what was the easiest. And they let their worship be shaped by the culture around them. Now, so the first rate, first section is where they were to worship. Second section, verses 8 through 14, these are regulations on what to bring, what to bring for worship to God. Now, again, a lot of repetition in here, so I won't read the whole thing again, but I will read a little addition in verse 11. Look at verse 11. Then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make His name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you. Okay, you told us where to worship. What do we bring? Bring all that I command you. Bring all that I command you. So not only where to worship, but what to bring. Don't just offer offerings and sacrifices wherever you want. And don't just offer whatever you desire to offer don't do it that way it says you shall bring all that i command you now from the beginning of the bible to the end of the bible god regulates the worship of his people because there's worship that is acceptable to god and there's worship that is unacceptable to god listen to genesis 4 okay we see this from genesis 4 All the way to Hebrews chapter 12. Genesis 4 says, The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. Acceptable, unacceptable. Hebrews chapter 12 is a command to the new covenant people of God. It says, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it's matter to God how you worship because there's that which is acceptable and that which is unacceptable. Now, third section here in the details, verse 15 through 19, are regulations for the people of God on when to eat, when to eat those sacrifice and offerings that are offered up in worship to God. Now, I want to read verse 15 and 16. Look at it. He says... And think about what he's saying here. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within any of your towns as much as you desire. According to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, as of the gazelle and as of the deer. Only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it out on the earth like water. Now why would they need to be told this? Why would they need to be told this? That, hey, you, th- these, uh, these animals, you know these, uh, a lamb, a goat, whatever, like you can kill and whatever, when you get to the land, whatever town you live in, you can kill that stuff and eat it as you desire. okay just don't eat, don't eat the blood, pour it out, pour it out like water onto the earth. Why would they need to be told that? Well, if you go back and read Leviticus seventeen verses one through five, it's the situation that they've been in while they've been wandering through the wilderness and the tabernacles going with them and they're living in a certain way. And the situation they've been in is, is they were commanded that every one of these animals, like a goat or like a lamb, okay, or like an ox, every one of these that they killed, they were to bring it to the temple, bring it to the tabernacle, excuse me, and offer it up to God as this sacrifice, this offering to him, every single one, before they ate it. And, and then what he says to them here is, you know, the question might... Arise, but when we get into the land and we're spread out, you know, we're all over the place, and you got that place that you've chosen, like, what what do we do? Do we just not eat that meat anymore? Because it's not feasible to take this trip, you know, all the way to the place you've chosen and then, you know, every single time. So, So what do we do? Do we just not eat this stuff anymore? And so what he frees them up to here, God doesn't say, don't eat this anymore, but he says, verse 15 and 16, however, just like, When you go hunting, it says, as you eat the the deer, the gazelle. Just like when you go hunting and you eat your meat, you're free to do that with a lamb, with a goat, with an ox. These things that are typically offered up as sacrifices. You're free to do that. And I love how it says it. As you desire as much as God has blessed you. You're free to do that. Okay? Now, but with that issue settled, with that issue settled, God, God goes on to continue to regulate their corporate worship look at verse 17 right after that he says you may not eat okay so he freed them up from the situation they were in when they were wandering in the wilderness to what it's going to be like when they're in the land but then verse 17 but here's the regulation you may not eat within your towns what the tithe of your grain, your wine, your oil, the firstborn of the herd or of your flock, or any of the vow offerings that you vow, or the freewill offerings or the contributions you present, you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose. So you can eat those things as you please, but look, when it comes to this corporate worship, these things you offer up to God, you can't do that in your backyard. You can't do that in your town. He's regulating that corporate worship. You do it in this place, in the place that the Lord your God We'll choose, he says here. Now, verse 20 through 28, so right here at the end, the last set of details, it's really regulations about how to deal with a difficulty in worship. So number four, how to deal with a difficulty in worship. Now, it's really interesting. If you read what I told you was number three, verses 15 through 19, and then you read, Number four, verses twenty through twenty-eight. If you read those two sections side by side, I mean, we've already seen a lot of repetition, but it's a lot. I mean, it's almost exactly the same. It's almost like God tells them something, and then and then somebody, it's like somebody asked about a difficulty, and He just told them the same thing again. <laughs> you go back and read, you go back and read that. It's almost identical. So, 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 what He's dealing with here is how to deal with a certain difficulty. Okay. So, what is the difficulty? Look at verse twenty. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he has promised you. Okay, so you're in the land. It's going to be different than when you were, you know, wandering in the wilderness. When you're in the land, it's going to be different. And then when God enlarges your territory, you've got to begin to spread out. That's the difficulty because what? Look at, look at verse 21. If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you. That's the difficulty. But God, what if the place you, would the place you put to, you decide to put your name there, and that's where I need to go for this corporate worship? Like, what if it's too far? What if it's what if it's a long ways away? And God's solution to that, as you continue to read, is you remember what I just said? That's His solution. It's did you hear what I just said? And what he's, and He repeats it all over again. That listen. That meat, you can kill meat as you desire. It's a gift. It's a blessing from me. Kill kill that, that goat and that lamb and eat. And it's a blessing from God. You can do that as you wish. But then look at what he says in verse 26. Again, with the same regulations. But the holy things that are due from you. This is that worship, that corporate worship. The holy things that are due from you and your vow offerings you shall take. And you shall go. But it's too far. You shall go to the place that the Lord will choose and offer your burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of your sacrifice shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but the flesh you may eat. Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Now what's clear From these details. What's clear from these bookends. And from these details in chapter 12. God is regulating the worship of his people. God is regulating the worship of his people. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. You shall do all that I command you. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. And then the details like this. Where. When. How. He's regulating the worship of his people. Now, that word regulation sounds real stuffy, doesn't it? You agree with that? The regulation of worship. It sounds really stuffy. And I want us to get past that. And I want us to do that by posing this question again. Why? Why, Why would God regulate the worship of his people. Why not just let them do as seems best to them? Why? Why not just let them do things the way that the world around them do, is doing it? You know, as long as the worship is towards Yahweh, the one true God, why regulate how it's done? It's okay, right? So that's the question I want us to think about. Why? Why would God regulate the worship? of his people. And I've already given you two answers to that. One was, well, God's just, you know, the answer we should always think about, God's wisdom. He just knows best, right? Let's just trust him. That's one. Two, I told you man's depravity, if it's left up to us, do you know what we could do? It seems it so innocent, but don't you understand that left to us whose hearts are deceitful, if we're making the decisions, our ideas, our patterns for corporate works for whatever it might be, don't you know that leads to destruction? There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death, don't you know? And so that's two, so man's depravity. But I want to share another answer to that question that I think will help us see the beauty of this. So it won't just be a stuffy word. Why does God regulate the worship of his people? Well, here's here's a third important answer. Worship regulations are for the joy of his people. Worship regulations are for the joy of His people. When we were reading just a moment ago in Deuteronomy 12, I wonder if you caught that repetition of these things being for the joy of His people. Did you catch it? I want you to see it now. I mean, it's it's, it's here on purpose. It's over and over again here on purpose. Look at it. Look at verse 7. Why these regulations about where to worship God? Look at verse 7. And there you shall eat... Before the Lord your God, isn't that beautiful? Don't just eat them. Don't just eat them over there by yourself. Come eat them before me. I place my name here. I place my presence. Here. Come dine with me. Come eat them before me. Come dine with me. And it says this: and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Why these regulations? For the joy of His people. Look at verse 12. He does it again. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. Why bring these certain things that you command? Because you're coming to rejoice before me. It's for the joy of His people. Verse 15, even the stuff you eat at home, it says here, is as you desire according to the blessing of the Lord. Even that stuff you eat there. But what about verse 18? Whenever you come, verse 18 says but you shall eat them before the Lord your God in the place that the Lord your God will choose. Don't eat them by yourself. Come eat them by me. Come dine with me, it says here. You and your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite who's in your towns, and you shall, here it is again, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you undertake. Verse 28, last one. Be careful to obey all these words, why? That I command you, why? That it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Isn't that beautiful? Worship regulations. Why? That you might be near me in the joy of my presence. Come, he says. It's a beautiful thing. Imagine, I tried to imagine a little kid A little kid in Israel looking at his mama. Mama, why do we got to make this long trip to the temple? Can't we just offer it here in one of the local high places? (laughs) And and mama says, no, son, let's let's just trust the Lord. He wants us to come near to him in the joy of his presence. That's a good answer. Why these regulations? Why these regulations? It says here, for the joy of his people. Now Satan would have us believe that restrictions on us or regulations on us are because because God's keeping something from you. Genesis chapter 3, right? Yeah, yeah, I know what God said. But if you eat of this, if you disobey him and eat of this, you'll have all these things that God's keeping from you. But the truth is, God's commandments are for our good. They're for our joy. And His regulations on how His people should worship, even corporate worship, is that they might be full of joy in His presence. That's a sweet thing to see in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Now, I want to try to make some modern-day application. We try to apply some of this. I'm sure you're making applications in your mind already. But I want to try to make some clear applications. In church history, there's been something, I wonder if you've heard of it, called the regulative principle of worship. The regulative principle of worship. Now, it's been a huge debate, huge debate in church history, regulative principle or normative principle. Regulative principle of worship is the church's worship, the church's worship should be governed strictly by the word of God. The normative principle on the other side is that other things are allowed in worship as long as God's word isn't contradicted. So one is strictly by what God has commanded. The other one is, well, as long as we're not contradicting God's word. So regulative principle of worship versus the normative principle. Big debate in church history. Sam Waldron said this. When the Reformation churches affirmed sola scriptura, the question had to be asked whether the scriptures alone were sufficient to regulate the worship of the church or whether, on the other hand, tradition might have a place in ordering the government and the worship of the church. So we're talking about here in the regulative principle of worship is the idea of Sola uh, a scripture alone, solo scripture, scripture alone, sufficient, the sufficiency of God's word, is it enough to guide his church and how to worship? That's what we're talking about here. Waldron goes on to say this question gave rise to two answers on the parts of the churches of the Reformation. Some gave tradition sust- substantially no part in this construction process. This view became known as the regulative principle. Others regarded traditions as having a part to play in constructing the worship and government of the church. This became known as the normative principle. So, plain sense, concerning the corporate worship, the public worship of God's church, the normative principle says traditions are fine as long as scripture isn't contradicted. Okay, got that? The regulative principle says, do as Scripture directs and add nothing to it. Do as Scripture says and no more. Now, again, this used to be hotly debated. Sadly, it's not talked about as much these days. And I say sadly because it seems like so often the reason for that is we are just just chin deep and just everyone, as it said in our chapter, everyone just do what's right in your own eyes. Our thoughts are valuable, right? We're such an arrogant people today. Our thoughts are valuable. Our ideas are valuable. Therefore, since our ideas are so meaningful, like it's okay, right? As long as we don't contradict Scripture. And, 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 and so this thing isn't even hardly discussed anymore. We just almost seem to be given over to it. But it was hotly debated at one time. Now, rightly understood, and I say rightly understood because there are people that, that claim to hold to regulative principle of worship... And, and yet, don't really seem to be lit in the Bible, be the ultimate God for what they do. So I say that, rightly understood, the regulative principle of worship view is held at Grace Community Church. And Deuteronomy chapter 12 would be one reason for that, right? Think about what we just read and studied. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way you should not worship look don't look around and the don't look around you and say maybe like that or maybe no no you don't serve God in that way but according to his word obey his word it says don't add anything to it and don't take anything away from it now i want to deal with an, an objection to this just an application i want to deal with an, an objection um I want us as a church to be committed to this and so you have to deal with objections, right? Here's the objection to this. God regulated His people's worship like that under the Old Covenant but not under the New Covenant. God regulated worship like that under the Old Covenant. This is the objection. But not under the New Covenant, right? Now, let me make a few statements on this. It is true that the new covenant church of Jesus does not have one central place to go worship like the temple. It's also true that we don't take sacrifices to, to priest in order to worship. Now, why don't we do those things that we're reading about in Deuteronomy 12? This physical temple on earth and these sacrifices to a priest why don't we do those things because Jesus by his coming and by his death and by his resurrection has completely fulfilled those things let's rejoice in that together for just a minute Jesus died as the sacrifice that ended all sacrifices In other words, the shadows had to give way to the substance who is Christ. We go to Jesus for forgiveness. He's the one who became the substitute for us. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was slaughtered like all those thousands of lambs were slaughtered for our sins, and it ended the shadow. Okay, Everybody got that? Jesus also rose from the dead, and he is the great high priest that ended the priesthood. He's the great high priest that ended the priesthood. The shadows must give way to the reality of Christ. 1 John 2, 1 says that when we sin, listen, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous We have a go-between, we have a mediator, we have a great high priest who intercedes for us and therefore we can be saved to the very end. And Jesus is the true tabernacle or the true temple that ended all temple worship. The shadows must give way to the reality. John 1 says that the Word became flesh, the eternal Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. So we go to Jesus to be in the presence of God. Think about this. In John chapter 4, Jesus is dealing with the Samaritan woman. And do you remember what she said? The Samaritan woman said this. Our fathers, the Samaritans, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you, talking about you Jews, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship so she's which which place which place and Jesus answers like this woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know oh, we, we we need truth to God our worship you worship what you do not know we we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is, now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So, so no. Um, remember the question, the objection we're trying to deal with is God regulates worship in the old covenant. does he do it in the new? Well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm conceding. We don't have a certain place like a temple here on earth to go to. We don't have these sacrifices to a priest we offer because Jesus and the gospel has fulfilled it all. Glory to God. But do those beautiful truths, do those beautiful truths, does all that mean that the corporate worship of the New Testament church the church, the, I mean, the worship, like, like what we're doing right now, the corporate worship of God's church, does it mean that it's now unregulated? Does it mean it's now unregulated? Do these new covenant realities take us from regulated worship, like Deuteronomy 12, to unregulated worship? Do as you please as long as you don't contradict the Scripture. Is that, is, that, is that the reality here? And the answer, answer I hope you see is absolutely not. Our corporate worship is not to be unregulated. It's just regulated differently than what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Remember John chapter 4, we just read it. Jesus did not say that the true worshipers will just worship how they feel. True worshipers just worship in the way everybody else No, It doesn't say that. It said the true worshipers of John 4 will worship in spirit and truth, by the Spirit of God and according to the truth. So no, our worship's not unregulated. God's character has not changed. He still cares about how he is worshipped. Not just that he's worshipped, but how Grace Community Church worships him. He still cares about that. His character had not changed. Human nature has not improved since Deuteronomy chapter 12. If we're left to ourselves to, to structure public worship gatherings by our own wisdom, it will lead to disastrous results still today. Because human nature hasn't improved. We must be humble and we must look to His Word on what to do. Now, also, just think about this. Throughout the New New Testament, there are lots of instructions in the New Testament about how His church is to worship Him, how they're to gather for public worship. There's things in the Gospels and the Epistles and the Book of Acts about the Lord's Supper. There's examples in the books of Acts about what it looked like when the church gathered together. There's regulations given in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and other epistles. Now, we don't have time to dig into, you know, within what does the scripture say about it, okay? But just know this, you live in a culture that's throwing that out and saying, let's come up with some good ideas about how to influence the people around us, rather than what does God's word say on how we should gather and, and, and we want God help us. God help us be a people that, that are humble and don't trust the, the validity of our own thinking and just trusting God. God, it's your word that needs a guide us here and how we worship together and what we do when we gather together. We're not interested in the most researched ideas about how to be an influential church in this city. Not interested in that. We're, inter- we're interested in being as biblical as we possibly can because we want our church to be regulated by God and not by the opinions of men even our own opinions or the feelings of men this is our desire now just like in Deuteronomy 12 in our passage just like those Israelites in Deuteronomy 12 we have to resist the temptation to be moved by the culture even in the way we worship even in the way we come together this is why pastors of churches. There's no qualification for a pastor of a church to be a creative man, but they are commanded to be biblical, to love God's word, and to lead by the words that are from God. So, Grace Community Church, here, here's what I want you to walk away with. Okay, kind of, kind of a twofold thing here. I want you to walk away with. One, brothers and sisters, you can have. You don't have to have great ideas, or know people that have great ideas. You, you can have complete supreme confidence in the words that come from God. And you can live, and as a church, we can live in this way, that at the command of the Lord, we remained in camp. At the command of the Lord, we journeyed. We kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord. Why? Because His word is good and glorious. He's wise and we're not. So you can have supreme confidence confidence in his word and when we do that the heartbeat that will come out of us when we have supreme confidence in his word the heartbeat out of us will be Deuteronomy twelve thirty two, to obey his commands and add nothing to it and to take nothing away from it and when we and when we gather up as a church in corporate worship and that's our heartbeat that's our mindset what is God leading us to what's he leading us to and again, don't forget how beautiful this is. Deuteronomy 12, 7. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God. Dine with him, Revelation says. I will come into him and dine with him, and you shall rejoice. That's what he's leading us to. If we cling to his word, that's what he's leading us to, to dine with him, and you shall rejoice. You and your households, And all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. I want to encourage you to think of every gathering of Grace Community Church just like that. To gather up. God help us to do it by the regulations of your word in accordance with your word. Trusting that you're going to let us eat to dine with you and bring joy to our hearts. The joy of worship and being in his presence. I want to encourage you to think of every every corporate gathering of Grace Community Church, just like that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this passage of Scripture, and thank You, God, so much for letting us read it. God, thank You for letting us study and meditate and think. God, I pray that You'd help us. God, I pray that You would remove anything that was said that was unhelpful, Lord. Lord, and you would let the truth of your word, the reality of your word stand, stand as as the tallest tree in the forest, Lord. Every word you've spoken. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.